The following is a special sports presentation of UltimateSportsTalk.com. A swing and a pop-up. First base side foul ground playable. Santana makes the catch. The Indians have won the American League pennant. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. I'm Dave Mitchell. Glad to have you along on this Monday evening as we sit back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And a lot to talk about this week, not only about these two ball clubs, but all over Major League Baseball. There's been a lot happening. We've played the first month of the season, this being May 1st, so we've gotten April under our belt under this six-month-long baseball season and it's time now to talk about that what the Reds and Indians did and just what's going to happen throughout the next five months of the Major League Baseball season and in order to do that let's of course as always go down south and bring in our resident Reds expert Mark Donahue. Mark how are you tonight? Well I'm pretty good Dave and I think you mentioned the first month of the season and I would think on both sides the Indians and the Reds that things are pretty much playing out as you would have anticipated. Uh, the Indians are, are playing good ball, and uh, the the Reds are actually playing better ball than than people anticipated, I believe. And uh, so, as a matter of fact, speaking of the Reds, uh, Adam Duvall just hit a three-run home run to give the Reds the lead. Uh, but, you know, I think the Reds, if they're able to stay reasonably healthy, uh, and they can be near that 500 mark at the All-Star break. Who knows? I mean, I, I think they might have a chance to to move out of fifth place. But uh, unless you see something I don't, uh, the Indians look as strong or stronger than they looked a year ago at this time. Well, right, yeah. As far as what they were a year ago this time, yeah, they're they're doing a lot better. They're in first place now. They're a half a game up. They've won nine of their last 12. They're 14 and 10. So out of the first... 24 games, Mark, they won 14 of them, and I guess, you know, every year when Major League Baseball players will tell you, every month they want to play 500 or above, and the Indians have achieved achieved that, and the Reds almost did. They're 11 and 13 through the month of April, but like you said, they've done a pretty good job of hanging in there despite the problems that they've had with some of their starting pitching. Yeah, it's not just the the starters. It's it's the fact that they they had injuries to that starting rotation. And the thing I do like about the team, number one, their bullpen is just light years better. It's one of the best bullpens in baseball right now. Now a month does not a season make, but uh, you know their their bullpen is is very strong right now. Uh, but their offense is coming around. You've got Scott Shebler and Adam Duvall and Joey Votto. Uh, Zach Cozart, all hitting the ball well. And now you've added Devin Messerocco to that mix. And he's got a couple of hits, uh, only five at bats, but he's got a couple of hits. And it, that lengthens that, that lineup out. And the question is going to be, uh, can you afford to have, you know, two guys like Billy Hamilton and Peraza, uh, hitting in the low 200s? And that's, that's the unfortunate part of the offense. Uh, they've got to do something about that. Those guys got to step up. But uh, if you can get to June, Anthony DiScafani and Homer Bailey supposedly are going to be coming back. And if they're healthy, that makes that starting rotation rather formidable. But uh, later in the show, I'm going to talk about the upcoming draft and uh, the fact that the Reds draft number two again this year and how that might impact the team over the next decade, actually. Mark, you mentioned that Mezzarocco's back, and he's catching for the Reds, but what's the status of him? Is he able to catch back-to-back games, and even better, is he able to catch three days in a row? I don't think they're going to find out. I don't think they want to risk it. He claims he could. Uh, I, I see no reason to do that. They've got two other catchers on the, the on the 25-man roster. And uh, so I, I don't think there's any r- reason to take that kind of risk. I would see him as kind of a 50-50 guy uh, up until the All-Star break, and then you'll see what ha- happens in the second half of the year. But uh, if he's able to hit 10, 12, 15 home runs, 
between now and the end of the year. That that really adds a lot of punch to that lineup. And uh, I don't think the Reds are going to have a major problem scoring runs this year. It's the question is going to be that starting rotation that can they keep a team out of double figures in runs scored? That's going to be the problem. Well, I think the reason that they want to make sure that he stays in the lineup is just what you said. It lengthens the lineup out. Obviously, when they play American League teams on the road, he's probably going to be the DH for the team. But when you've got to play National League teams, Mark, or or American League teams at home where the DH isn't involved, you want him in the lineup, and I would think you'd want to get him in as often as possible. Yeah, and I think that's the goal. They, they, they do want to get him in, but don't forget this guy – has missed two complete years, and that, that that's a huge <laughs> – baseball is so precise in many ways. Uh, you miss, miss that much time, and your timing is not going to be there. It's going to take some time uh, for him to get his stroke back, and as long as you know fans are patient, uh, then I think he's going to have a chance to come back and make a, a big contribution in the second half of the year. Mark, the Indians, as we said, they've won 9 of 12. They're in first place. And you can really look at what they've done throughout this streak of winning nine games is that Encarnacion, Lonnie Chisenhall, and Michael Brantley have done an outstanding job in the lineup for the Indians. Plus, their pitching is back to where it should be, although tonight Trevor Bauer has had a hard time. And that brings me to a question that I've got, and it, it – I really thought about this over the week after last Tuesday night's game that the Reds had in Milwaukee. And once I get into it, I think you'll understand where I'm coming from on this. You know, Terry Francona with the Indians, he's got so many pitchers in his bullpen, Mark, that he's got two separate squads. If the Indians are winning after five or six innings, he goes with Brian Shaw, Andrew Miller, and Cody Allen, almost exclusively. But if they're losing, he doesn't bother pitching those guys. He goes with the Zach McAllisters and everyone else that's in the bullpen until the Indians get the lead, and then he goes with his primary bullpen staff. That being said, last Tuesday night, the Reds were getting hammered, and I mean just hammered, by Milwaukee. And Robert Stevenson was on the mound. And I think you're probably gauging where I'm going with this. Robert Stevenson has had his problems. And in that inning, Mark, he, yeah, Shebler dropped a fly ball in right field, and there was another error at shortstop that the, the Reds had that contributed to the five-run inning. But at the time that Brian Price walked out and took Robin Steve, Robert Stevenson out of the ball game, the Reds were down 9 to nothing in the fifth inning. Mark, why bother? They've had problems with Stevenson for, you know, you and I have discussed this over the last at least year, two years. Uh, you know, the minor league manager has said it's between the years. There comes a time, Mark, where as a pitcher, and you know this as well as I do, you, you pitched, I caught, there comes a time where a pitcher's got to grow up where you've just got to put it on the pitcher's shoulders and say, look, you got yourself into this mess, get yourself out of it. And the thing about it is is that major league managers don't do that enough with, with pitchers anymore. Sometimes, Mark, especially in this day and age where they're playing so many games in so many days, so many in a row, that, you know, pitchers sometimes have to take one for the team. And that was the night that I think Brian Price could have really sent a message not only to Robert Stevenson, but to the team, that, hey, look, this is a long season, and we're going to fight through this. This is just one game out of 162. But to Robert Stevenson, the message to him could have been, hey, look, dude, we've been waiting three years for you to get your head out of the proverbial back end, and you're going to stay out here tonight, and I don't care if you throw 100 pitches, but I'm not going to waste my bullpen on a 9 nothing game as long as my offense can't do anything. And you're going to stay out here, and you're going to figure out how to pitch. And if you don't figure out how to pitch, then you're probably going to be embarrassed tonight, and it's going to be 20 to nothing. But at the end of the night, you're either going back to the minor leagues or you're going to know how to pitch. And I think Brian Price really missed a golden opportunity 
on Tuesday night with Robert Stevenson. Your thoughts? Well, I can see your point, um, but there's another side to it. Number one, you don't want to embarrass the kid, and you, you don't want to bury him so far down where his ERA goes up to something like 16 because he's, he doesn't have it that day, and, you know, you, you basically ruin the kid's ERA for the rest of the year because of one performance like that. And the other thing they have to do with Stevenson, if they're going to stretch him out, and that's what they – I just read today in the paper that the plan for Stevenson – is they're going to send him down to the minors probably this weekend or next, and they're going to start uh, pitching him four, five, six innings down there at a time so he can come back and be a starter. Uh, they don't think his tenure in the bullpen is where it's going to end up. I don't think he has the uh, – he doesn't have the mound awareness or mound or even game awareness at this point to be an effective relief pitcher. I, I don't. Uh, he throws hard, but – this kid is designed to be a starter, and he's up here now because the Reds have injuries. And if they bring back these the starters that are that are out there injured right now, you won't need Stevenson uh, unless he's a starter. So there's I don't see a long term role for him in the bullpen. And in terms of the teaching him a lesson or or that, you know, it's it I can understand the logic of it. But from a practical perspective, you don't want to, to bury the kid so he loses all confidence and, and uh, in his career is over. And, you know, another thing, uh, Dave, on this point, I think you could look no further than what happened with Homer Bailey. Uh, the Reds brought him up too soon, and he never recovered. And I think he never learned to pitch. He, he should have stayed in the minors for another year or two, learned a secondary and third pitch. Everything he throws is hard. It's a hard fastball, 97, 98. His slider is 91. Stevenson and or Bailey? Bailey. And that, okay. I think that led to a lot of his arm troubles. He, he doesn't know how to pitch. He throws. And I think that that's what you do when you, when you don't have confidence in other pitches. You, you stay on that fastball. You stay on that hard slider. And after a while, I don't care who you are, that's gonna that's gonna wear your arm down. And I don't know if that's the cause of his injuries, but this guy's career may be over. You may never see Homer Bailey back again. He's been out two years now, more than two years, and you know the, the reports down here are not good on Homer Bailey right now. He still has pain. Well, I I, I want to get back to Stevenson though. You know, ERA, forget it. I don't care if his ERA is 27 because yeah, of this one game. This is an indication of, you know, Delano DeShields, the manager down in Louisville, kind of gave us an indication a year ago, and from everything that I'm hearing through reports, Robert Stevenson's problems are between the ears. His ego is the size of the clouds up in the sky. His head's up in the clouds, quite honestly. And he's, he, from what I understand, he's got the problem of he doesn't listen to anybody. He doesn't let anybody coach him. And this is why I'm saying I think Brian Price missed a golden opportunity. Hey, young man, you're going to stay out here till you figure it out. We're sick and tired of trying to teach you. You want to teach yourself? Here's your opportunity. Just go for it. And, and why, why blow out the bullpen that night? They've already had, they've already been blowing out the bullpen. Yes, but you're making the assumption that he's not listening. Now, I've heard the same rumors, but he's a smart enough guy to know that if you, if you play that crap up here in the big leagues, uh, you, your entire career could be in jeopardy. I don't, I don't agree. know if he's that smart. I, I, I don't agree with the theory that you don't care that his ERA is 27. I would care. If I was the manager, I would care. Uh, the, the team would care. The you know, Mark, they went through two years of J.J. Hoover having an ERA near 10. Yeah, I know. And where's he at now? He's no longer in baseball. That's right. And if if, if Robert right. Stevenson continues to throw like this, he'll no longer be in baseball either. He, he's not throwing. He's not throwing as bad as his numbers indicate. I've seen him pitch every game. He's still throwing 97, 98. What he lacks is experience, and that's what he can only get at AAA. I don't think... He's ready. He's not, he certainly 
not ready to be brought up in pressure positions uh, with this team right now. He's just not. And I think he, he does, he's, I think he's a year away from having, if he goes down to AAA and he has 20, 22 starts the rest of this year, I think next year he'll come back as a different pitcher. <clears throat> but you don't, you don't let him gain confidence by having an ERA of 27. You know, it doesn't, it, it sounds good. And sometimes I get, I get very ticked off when I see the results of him pitching. But you got to think long term. A kid's only 20, what, 23 years old, 24? He's got a career ahead of him. So I wouldn't want to bury him by, by, you know, putting him out there and having him be embarrassed. He'll end up hating the manager. It's going to, it, it would cause problems with his teammates, all that stuff. Um, so I, I disagree with that. I, what I, but I, I would say that he is, he's got the arm and what he, I think you might be right. His problems are between his ears, but that's not going to be helped by having them go out there and get hammered. Well, like I said, you know, a lot of managers, what they'll do instead of blowing out the bullpen is they'll bring in somebody to, to pitch from the outfield or the infield. You know, you and I have seen that over the years where, you know, somebody else will pitch and it won't be a pitcher. And, you know, we, we've seen a lot of that happen throughout the years. I think it was an absolute mistake by Brian Price last Tuesday night to blow out the bullpen in one game. And and that's pretty much what he did, Mark. You you probably saw the game too. They were down nine nothing, I think it ended up being a twelve to two game. Um but you know it, it hindered the Reds for the next three days because the bullpen, which has been the case throughout the entire season so far, has been overused They've been taxed. They really haven't had a day off except for one day since the season began. And then they've had two rainouts, which they had on Saturday and then earlier in the season. So all total, as far as I know off the top of my head, they've had three days off. They've had one complete game this year, as far as I know about the Reds. They've had one complete game by their pitching staff. That means their bullpen has pitched in the other 23 games this year. And most of the time, Mark, they've pitched five-plus innings in those 23 games. So somewhere down the road, this team is going to have to really get some starting pitching. And and you know who it's turned out to be? Bronson Arroyo. Yeah, but the, 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 Arroyo is part of the bullpen problem. He never goes more than five innings. And, you know, he... <clears throat> he keeps them close. Uh, yesterday he got down four to nothing. The Reds came back and won the game. But, you know, it's the starting pitching that's causing the bullpen problem. And I don't think, and I don't think Stevenson should bear the entire responsibility and, and get, uh, you know, hung out to dry uh, over uh, the, the lack of performance by the starting pitching. Now, Amir Garrett tonight uh, has pitched seven innings and only given up two hits. So he recovered from getting, in fact, that game you mentioned where the Reds got hammered, he was a starting pitcher in that game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's, he, he's a guy who has made an adjustment. He got, he got hit hard. They said he was working uh, extra hard, you know, on bull, bullpen sessions, changing his rotation a little bit on, on his breaking ball. And it, it apparently paid off. I don't know what's going to happen next time out, but against the Pirates, he's limited them to two home runs. And that's the only hits they have in seven innings. So, you know, if, if he can help this team uh, get into the sixth, seventh inning, eighth inning, uh, that's going to help that bullpen. So, you know, you know, it's really promising with the Indians, though, Mark, that those three guys that I talked about earlier, Encarnacion, Chisholm Hall, and Brantley, especially Michael Brantley, after missing virtually the entire year a year ago playing in just 13 games and five of those games were as a pinch hitter, Brantley has come back, Mark, and he has played some outstanding baseball for this team, really solidified that number three spot in the batting order and allowed them to move Lindor up top. And then on top of that, Mark Kipnis has come back and played flawlessly at second base, and they've moved him down to sixth in the batting order after hitting most of the year a year ago second. And he's done an outstanding job in that spot of the batting order, and unbelievably so, it's 
pretty much lengthened out the lineup, as you talked about Mezzarocco doing for the Reds. But now they've got some punch at the bottom of the order, and that seems to have helped this team out, too. So, you know, I know we, we kind of gloss over what's going on with the Indians because we do expect them to win the division and win and possibly win the World Series. But, you know, this is a team that they're going to have to take care of what it is that they do well. They're going to have to take care of business, and that may be the toughest thing in baseball to do when you are expected to win to actually go out and win. You know, you look at the Indians and where they were the seventh game of the World Series last year. You had mentioned they had lost, what, two or three of their starting rotation at that time. Uh, they didn't have Brantley, and they didn't have Encarnacion. It's arguable that this team is significantly better now than it was at the seventh game of the World Series last year, which is a scary thought for the rest of the American League. Because I, I can't think of a team, you know the American League better than I do, can you think of a team that has improved as much as the Indians have over the last, uh, since the end of uh, October last year? I can't. I, certainly no team in the National League has improved that much by the addition of the three pitchers that were injured. And during the World Series, and those two pickups, Brantley and Encarnacion. It's uh, it's a, remarkable that a team can improve that much that went to the seventh game in the World Series and, and actually had a three-game lead in that three-to-one lead in that series. Yeah, yeah, and I, I agree with you that, that they have, you know, just the addition of Brantley alone was an outstanding addition to the team. But then when you... Add Encarnacion, you know, a lot of people could arguably say that Encarnacion is just taking the place uh, last year of Napoli. And I disagree with that. I think Encarnacion is a better hitter than Napoli, probably a better fielder than Napoli. Um, the one thing that I'm disappointed in, Mark, is Carlos Santana's defense. Carlos Santana's defense at first base, Mark, is absolutely putrid. I have, you know, it, it, I've seen a lot of baseball and I've seen a lot of guys play first base, but Carlos Santana is right at the top of the list, near the top of the list at least, of poor fielding at first base. And, and it's not, uh, just simply fielding grounders. It's even catching the baseball that he has problems doing, which is something that you think he would be adept at doing since he came up as a catcher. But he even has trouble at times catching the baseball. So, you know, I, I think when push comes to shove and crunch time hits, you're going to see Encarnacion at first base a lot more than you do right now. Well, again, if that's the the biggest weakness that the Indians have, I think you're in pretty good shape. Uh, and that, that's, you know, that starting rotation, they've been around for a long time now, and you kind of take the names for granted. But you know, there's a lot of teams uh, that would pick your third pitcher as their number one pitcher, and the Reds would be one of them. And there's a lot of teams like that. Uh, so, you know, I think right now, unless something catastrophic happens to the Indians, uh, they are going to be in the playoffs. And, you know, people say they're going to win the World Series. A short series like that, getting in, once you get to the playoffs, all bets are off. Uh, you mm -hmm. don't know how it can happen. But, you know, I think the Indians are just odds-on favorite. They ought to win that division by 8 to 10 games. And if they don't, I think there is cause for some problem. But that's that's a pretty good problem to have when you're, you know, your weakest part of that team is the way a part-time first baseman feels. Well, and, you know, that I agree with you. But it's one of those things that you've got to look at because he does pl split time at first base with Encarnacion right now. And we'll, we'll see if that's going to continue. I think they're going to have to go with Encarnacion. And just keep in mind, you know, hey, in a couple weeks, Mark, May 22nd, 23rd, the Indians are going to be down mm -hmm. in Cincinnati to take on the Reds. And then the 24th and 25th, the Reds travel up here to Cleveland to take on the Indians. So, you know, again, we've talked about it. We've complained. We've cajoled Major League Baseball to put this series on the weekends, but they just don't listen to us. <laughs> yeah, uh, it sounds like my wife. Um, 
never listened to them either, but uh, you're right. It, it, it kind of takes away the reason that you have the Reds playing the Indians. You know, uh, several years ago when this first started, they were always weekend games. Because I went to them. I went to those games. And it was kind of fun because there'd be a lot of Indians fans in the stands and, you know, some good natured bantering and all that stuff. But they were all, the games are always filled. And the last couple of years, that's not happened. What's the status of Tony Sangrani right now? Uh, he's, he's close to coming back. I, I think he's, he's a day or two away. They said he can throw. Uh, and I'd like to see him come in in a non-pressure situation. But, uh, you know, that the bullpen has been so far so good. And one of the guys who has made it much better as pitching right now is Drew Storen. And he, he's come in and he's got an 075 ERA. Now he might give it up tonight. But uh, so far, he's been much better than advertised. And this is a situation where this is a redemptive year for him. He's, you know, one time when he was with the Nationals, when he came up, he was the man. He, he was their closer. And mm-hmm. he, he was he was the guy who was going to be in that bullpen for a long time. And inexplicably, he lost it. It, it happens to a lot of relievers. I, I guess the league just figures these guys out. Because they see them so often. You know, some of these relievers are, are in 55, 60 games a year. And by that time, you, you see them on film so often, you, you figure them out. And by the next year, uh, it, unless these relief pitchers change their approach a bit, major league hitters are going to catch up with them. And, and Drew Storen so far has changed, changed his motion. Uh, he changed his breaking ball. And so far, we're only in a month of the season. Uh, he's he's been very very effective. Well, and when you look at Drew Storen, I mean, you talk about the fifty to sixty games that he was throwing. Same thing with Brian Shaw. Brian Shaw of the Indians over the last three seasons has been hmm. in over seventy five games in each each year. Now, most of the time, Brian Shaw is only going to pitch an inning. And I I can't remember, but maybe two or three times that Shaw has actually pitched two innings. And so when you're looking at it, Mark, I mean, you're only looking at if he comes in 75 games and pitches one innings, top two, you're only looking at 80 or 90 innings throughout an entire season. And that, you know what, that's not that bad. That's not a lot of wear and tear on the arm. Yeah, it's not so much, in my opinion, the, the wear and tear of the arm. It's the familiarity. Now, if you're if you're a role as Chapman and you're throwing 103, you tell the hitter, hey, I'm going to throw a fastball over the middle of the plate. It's going to be 103. Have at it, pal. And it, most pitchers don't have to have that kind of stuff uh, to get away with that, that, that kind of thing. But uh, if pitchers don't make changes, just like hitters have to make adjustments, uh, you can't survive in this league without making those regular adjustments to the way you approach the game. What's the situation now with Scott Schebler? He seems to be hitting the baseball now, or he was having problems early in the year. What adjustments has he made at the plate? You know, I watched him yesterday. He had three he had three hits and hit the ball hard five times. He could have had five hits. He was robbed twice and ground balls up the middle. Uh, what he's doing is waiting. He's not getting that weight on the – he's a left-hand hitter, of course. And when you transfer that weight from your – Left foot to your right foot too soon. All you've got left is your arms. And that's what he was doing. He, he was, he was lunging at the ball early in the year. And right now he is waiting on the fastball and he's quick enough at the plate that he can, he can wait for the 96, 97 mile an hour fastball and still make contact with it. And this guy, he is strong as a horse. He's got a lot of power. And I, I tell you, I, I would love to see the Reds make a major change. I know a lot of people, maybe you included, won't agree with it, but I'd like to see Shubler go to center field, uh, get somebody else to play the outfield with Adam Duvall, and have Billy Hamilton be your seventh, eighth inning uh, defensive replacement, steal you a base or two when you need it, put a bunt down, play good defense in the late innings. Uh, I just, as much as I love the guy, he's hitting 220 again. And I don't understand how he can maintain that as a starting center fielder with this team. Now, with other teams, like you say, there'll be other teams that might want to take him. I don't see it for the Reds. 
Well, I, 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 you know, you and I got into this discussion about Bronson Arroyo. I was proven right. <laughs> You're proven right. I, I, he's, he's an idiot. You said right. You said right up front, and that's what I told you at the beginning of the year. Bronson Arroyo is going to pitch five or six innings for you every ball game, and that's what he does. He's pitched yesterday. He pitched four and two thirds innings. He's only gone five innings twice, and he has an ERA of seven point five. He pitched into the sixth inning against Baltimore. He yeah, went five and a third innings against Baltimore. One time, Dave, and you can't against one of the best hitting teams in baseball. He's got I, look. Baseball's numbers. I'm not going to argue about it. All I'm going to tell you is look at the numbers. He's got a seven and a half ERA. Yeah, he's won two games because the Reds scored a lot of runs. Uh, I, I don't see why you let a 40-year-old guy with a seven and a half ERA take away a position from a young guy like Robert Stevenson. Why not start Stevenson? I don't understand it. Because he's got nothing between his ears. Oh, as if that – and you'd rather have somebody like Ron Arroyo out there, a 40-year-old guy with a seven and a half ERA. What is he bringing to your team? He's bringing to the team the fact that he's going out there and being competitive. David, he's not being he's throwing competitive. innings. He's keeping he's your not. bullpen off the field as well as any other starting pitcher that you've got. Dave, you're you're wrong. The numbers don't back up that statement. He hasn't gone beyond the fifth inning. Every time he goes out there, you got to use three guys out of the bullpen. And when he's okay, in you there, want to talk about numbers? Let's talk numbers. How many starting pitchers this year for the for the Cincinnati Reds have gone more than five innings? I don't know. You can count them on one hand. We're talking about Arroyo. Uh, right. What, and what I have said is he's doing the same thing for you that every other starting pitcher is that you've got. And, and you think that's an asset to add that? Yeah, I do. I and, actually uh, do. Because Robert Stevenson, by your own opinion, doesn't have the makeup in between his ears to be a starting pitcher in the major leagues right now. But You've you're been the saying one that for said, the last three years. You're the one who said that he has to get more experience. Well, why? No, I never said he has to get more experience. You okay. did. Look, you're, you're arguing something that's unarguable. Look at the numbers, Dave. Just look at the numbers. There is no way Bronson Arroyo should be in that rotation. Then there's no reason that Robert Stevenson should even be on the pitching staff of oh, the Cincinnati Reds. He's still in 97, 98 miles an hour. He's inexperienced. That's not a, that's a mile per hour, Mark. That's not numbers on the, on the sheet. But the number, you, you want to talk, Bronson Arroyo is more, is a more accomplished and more competitive pitcher at this point in time than Robert Stevenson is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. He, he Just look at you. They, Go ahead and look at he, your own numbers. You're you're the one who says look at the numbers. I'm asking you. No, you're the one that said look at the numbers. Don't tell me that I'm saying, telling you to look to look at the numbers. You're the one that's sitting there telling me to look at the numbers. I am, and I'm and saying you won't Bronson Arroyo is more competitive on the mound right now than Robert Stevenson. Why are you only saying Robert Stevenson? There's because other guys Robert that Stevenson pitch. is a guy that you just brought up and said that Robert Stevenson's spot in the in the pitching rotation is being hindered by Bronson Arroyo, and Bronson Arroyo is more competitive on the mound right now than Robert Stevenson could ever dream of being. Okay, then pick anybody else out of the uh, out of that staff. Tell me one pitcher that the Reds have on the staff that couldn't equal a guy who can't go five innings. He can't go more than five innings for sure. He has an ERA of seven and a half, and he's given up, I think, seven or eight home runs. You're telling well, me that's what you want in your – you'd want Bronson Arroyo in your rotation? Well, not with the Indians, no. No, no you wouldn't. But with the Reds? Why would yeah. the Reds? Why, Why with the Reds? Reds? Because they don't have enough starting pitching to keep him out of the rotation right now. <laughs> if, if Robert Stevenson was pitching to his capabilities, heck, yeah, I'd say that. I also Dave, think Rossiel Iglesias should be in the starting rotation. I think Dave, they're wasting him in the bullpen to a certain extent. Dave, this this is an argument that it borders on the absurd <laughs> because it's based on numbers, and you refuse to look at Bronson Arroyos, and you defend it without even looking at the numbers. All right, go ahead and compare There's his no numbers defense. to Robert Stevenson. I'll give you the floor. I'll give you the, the stage. Compare his numbers 
to Robert Stevenson's. I'm not going to compare. They're, they're different <laughs> animals. They're different animals. You can't tell me any. Why would you defend a 40-year-old pitcher with, if he, if he was 4-1 and one with a 4.3 ERA and he's going seven or eight innings, okay, yeah, I, I, I buy that. But he's not. Let me ask you a question. Do you think the New York Mets are sorry they let Bartolo Colon go now? Well, yeah, that's a that's a different issue. But do you think the New York Mets would be interested in Bronson Arroyo? Right now? Yeah. Uh, maybe. Dave, there's there's nobody in baseball. Maybe. There's nobody in baseball that would be interested in Bronson Arroyo. Nobody. Not one team. Don't be so sure about that. Well, you you tell me who would take a chance. Not a, take a chance. They would look at what I've looked at. I've seen him pitch every game. He's getting hammered. He's get, he gets pounded. The outs are hard. He, he, he can't go beyond he, five innings. Mark, his outs were hard when he was a young pitcher and winning. Yes, I understand that. And he, that's why he gave up 28 home runs one year. You yeah. know, he's, he's never been a guy that was you know going to lead your staff. He's a third or fourth starter back five years ago. Exactly. And right now he's not. I th- I think he's Look, a fourth or fifth starter say, for the Reds. You can say anything you want. You're not going to convince me that Bronson Arroyo <laughs> should be in this rotation. So talk about something else. <laughs> well, all right, let's talk about the Mets. Because Noah Syndergaard is out now for a while with a torn right lat muscle. That is going to hurt this Mets ball club. Yeah, and it's not only his lat muscle. I heard, just in fact, they said it during the Reds game. They think he also has a, a bicep tear. So he, he was going to be in the DL without the torn lat because they found out, I guess, when they examined the lat. And, you know, yes, it was interesting. I think two days ago he refused to go in for an MRI on his shoulder or on his, his bicep muscle. Yeah, saying he's in tune with his body. Yeah, well, he's, he's, he's a little out of tune now. Uh, he may be done for the year. Because a lat muscle is, is hard to heal, and even a pulled lat, a pulled lat can keep you out yeah. for two months. And a, a torn lat, I don't know how long recovery is on that, but I've had a torn bicep muscle. And I'm telling you, for a pitcher, that is a – tell you why it's so tough, is you can't do weights while you're, while you're recovering. Uh, sometimes you can do weights and, you know, stay at least physically strong, but – uh, Syndergaard, now he was a guy, who, he didn't remind me of so much the way he threw of Homer Bailey, but this guy last year and the year before, every pitch he threw was 98-99. Breaking ball, his, his slider, he threw a slider last year, 92 miles an hour, 93 miles an hour, regularly. And his fastball was 99, and, and, and against the Reds last year, I saw him pitch over 100. I, I just don't know how... Guys expect the human arm to, to, you know, endure and stay on the shoulder when you throw every pitch that hard. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of wear and tear on his arm, even though he's a youngster. And now that injury, along with Matt Harvey, and who knows what's going on with Matt Harvey, because the story continues to change about every week, every other week for Matt Harvey. You know, this Mets team which a lot of people thought had one of the best pitching staffs in baseball just two years ago, now has suddenly been depleted to almost nothing. Yeah, that that is amazing. And, and that's, of course, they were not as serious of injuries, but that's what the Indians faced last year. Uh, near the end of the year, they got a lot of guys hurt. But the Mets, that rotation they had um, with Harvey and Syndergaard and the rest of those guys, I mean, you think – you had four or five guys capable of winning 20 games, and now look at them. Yeah, and then you've got – is Shelby Miller's career over? This you know, is that, the I, second, second injury that he's had and, and undergone Tommy John surgery. Yeah, and I remember when he came up with the Cardinals, He again, he was a guy, that prototypical hard thrower, and it, it's, it's, it's the same story. Guys come up and – and I blame the scouts a lot for this. All they care about is the radar gun. If a guy's throwing 90, if a guy's throwing 92, 93, they won't even talk to him. You gotta be throwing 97, 98. Kids know this. They start throwing that hard 
in, in when they're in high school. You got kids in high school throwing 90, 93, 94. They get to college or they get into pro ball, they're throwing much harder. They don't learn to pitch. You don't see a, a Greg Maddox coming up anymore. Mm-hmm. A guy who can throw 86, 87, and you don't get the ball out of the infield the whole game. And I don't understand why they just default to the radar gun as the mechanism to establish the, the value and quality of a pitcher. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, as a hitter, I used to love to hit the fastball. And I don't care how hard a guy threw, you'd, you'd eventually get the bat on the ball. And, you know, you'd start making contact. It's the guy who, you know, gets, your, gets you off balance. He's throwing sliders. He's throwing uh, a screwball or an off-speed pitch of some kind. It could be a curve. could be a change-up. And then he comes back with that 94, 95-mile-an-hour fastball, and it looks like he's throwing 100. But I don't, I'd love to talk to a scout sometime and ask them why that is the trend now. And I wonder how long it's going to stay a trend. And the only thing that may change it is you have guys like Syndergaard and Homer Bailey, among scores of others, who get injured when they're 23, 24 years old. Mark, you're absolutely right, because last year when I was doing high school baseball, Two teams that made it to the state championship game in Division Three were Waynedale out of Apple Creek, Ohio, and Highland out of Berlin, Ohio, 15 miles apart. A lot of the kids that played in the state championship game had played Little League, Pony League, and, and some of the traveling ball together. And there, were, there was one pitcher that Waynedale had, Mark. His name is Marcus Schlebaugh. His fastball topped out at 86, 87 miles per hour on the jugs gun, at Huntington Park during the state semifinal game against Clearfort. But that kid his senior year went 11-0, and had an ERA under one, struck out four times as many hitters as he walked, and nobody looked at him. Not a scout in the area. He ended up signing with an NAIA school, and that is where he is pitching now at an NAIA school. On the other side of the hill, and I cannot remember his name, uh, was the Highland pitcher. That was the same exact pitcher, Mark. He had a, a fastball that topped out at about 88, 89 miles per hour, but had impeccable control, knew how to pitch, good body, good motion, no wear and tear on the arm for both of these kids. And the kid for Highland ended up going to Malone College because Berlin is a very religious community, and a lot of their kids go to Malone College because it's a religious college in Canton, Ohio, and that's where he signed on before the baseball season ever began. Nobody, marked during his previous three years looked at him, and Mark, the kid in high school, I don't remember how many games he won, but it was 45 or 46 games in high school. Mark, he never lost a game. Never lost a game. His ERA was under one and a half. He struck out three kids to every one that he walked. And scouts don't look at them. Well, again, it'd be great to, to maybe get a scout on here one night that we can ask these questions of because it, uh, you know, it, I've done a lot of, seen a lot of games over the years, and the trend seems to be Fastball first, and we'll figure out the rest later. It's all mm-hmm. arm strength. and It's not pitching. It's throwing. And the Reds have a lot of young kids that uh, are down in double-A ball, triple-A ball, and they have the same M.O. I mean, these kids throw really hard. Uh, they're throwing over 100 miles an hour in some cases, certainly in the high 90s. But it, it's, it's a fact of durability. And you don't have to look beyond, you know, you can look at the Reds, but it, it happens all over. The league, it's a lot of young pitchers come up, and all they do is throw hard. And number one, they get figured out, or they get hurt, because they don't have that ability to control the slider, to control the the, the change, to bro- control some kind of breaking ball. And unless they do, their careers are going to be short lived. They, they might have two or three good years in the league, but these injuries. Mark, Mark. It's chronic right now. 
it's it's interesting that when Chris Antonetti took over the GM position for the Indians seven or eight years ago, the Indians made a concerted effort to go for pitchers that were going to be starters that were control-type pitchers like Corey Kluber. And Danny Salazar is kind of a an exception to the rule for the Indians. And Josh Tomlin, pitchers like that. But on the other hand, in the bullpen, they wanted guys like what you're talking about that throw 97, 98 miles an hour, but they're only throwing two pitches. And that could be a fastball and a changeup or a fastball and a curveball, fastball and a slider. And they're only pitching one, two innings tops at a time. And that was the formula that the Indians went into probably about 10 years ago, I'm going to say now, Mark. And that has turned out to be a very good formula for this team. And, and I'm surprised a lot of other teams have not taken that same formula to heart. Yeah, I, I think that's, that is a good formula. And uh, if you're a pitcher who relies on your fastball as your out pitch, uh, that means that you, you've got to be prepared to throw that pitch at two and two, at three and two, and throw it as hard as you can for as long as you can. And th- that puts a lot of pressure on the arm. And if these pitchers who develop a secondary and third pitch, they can go to that, that out pitch where it's a, it could be a change, it could be a breaking ball of some kind. And it, it, it puts less stress on the arm. Let me qualify that. A, a, a change-up is thrown with the same arm speed. So it's not less stress on the arm. It's the fact that you're throwing the same pitch all the time that you don't develop the other pitches. That's the problem, too. I mean, it's if, if all you rely on is that fastball, guys will figure it out. And if I were a pitching coach, I would love to find a kid that's capable of throwing 98. What I would tell him in is a low minors, hey, you can only throw your fastball 40 times this game. And if you don't throw something else, you're going to get hammered. I'm going to take you out because once you reach the 40 pitch mark on your fastball, I'm taking you out. I'm going to force you to throw a changeup. I'm going to force you to throw a breaking ball and, and learn a curveball, learn, learn a split finger. So there's all kinds of ways that you could develop these guys. But if all you're propagating in your organization is, well, if you're you're throwing 96, I want you to learn to throw 98. And that's not going to get it done. Remember when the split finger fastball used to be the reason that all the pitchers had arm injuries? Yeah. Yep. And now it's other things. It's everything else. Well, the the split finger is what they used to call a forkball. You know, and – but those pitches are effective th- thrown at 83, 84 miles an hour. And that, that, that those pitches are very effective. It's, it's when you throw them. All I'm saying is that I'm looking at Mike Lorenzen right now pitching for the Reds. This guy's 6'8". Uh, he, he looks like a bodybuilder. He, he's throwing 97, 98 miles an hour. And I hope he continues to do that. But unless he develops another pitch, somebody's going to take him deep. You know, it's it's just it's it's the nature of the beast. So in, in terms in terms of what the Reds and other teams are doing right now in developing their young pitchers, there has to be a better way because they're investing these millions of dollars into these young pitchers, and it's not working. The kids are getting hurt. The Cubs did take him deep. Yeah, they did. They sure did. Yeah, you know, tied that game up, and then they ended up winning it. In extra innings, yeah. One of the few times that Lorenzen has proven to be human this year. Well, he his ERA is a little higher than you think. It's like four and a half ERA. Uh, he, he's spectacular at times, but and he's a great athlete, but he doesn't have a lot of diversity in his pitches. And, I mean, I marvel sometimes at these, these hitters. The, the, the strength, the hand strength, they'll catch up with. You know, look at Chapman last year. He, he got pulled. He was throwing 101. Yeah, absolutely. You know, okay, talked about Syndergaard and how that's going to affect the Mets. But Adam Eaton of Washington blew out his ACL yesterday in the Washington Nationals win, or I should say on Saturday, excuse me, 
in the Nationals' win. How much is that going to change the outlook in the National League East? Any at all? Well, I like Adam Eaton. I think he's a good player. Uh, he's better than good. He's a very good player. Uh, but I don't know that he is going to be a determining factor with that team. They've got, they're like the Indians. They've got so much talent that I think they can find a replacement for him. And, you know, he's, I think he's one of the most complete players in baseball for what he does. He's got speed. He's got some power. He can hit for average, good defense, good arm, good speed. I mean, he, he, he's the guy, but, uh, I, I really don't think he's going to hurt that team that much. Uh, are they better with him? Of course. Uh, will they lose because he's not playing? I don't think so. I think they're, I think they're just too strong. How about Madison Baumgartner? We talked about this just very, very briefly last week, but you know, uh, riding around on the farm on the four wheeler and he falls off and bruises his left shoulder. So now he's got a shoulder injury. Nothing that they could tell structural that is is wrong with the shoulder, but he's going to be unable to throw until after the All-Star break. First of all, the Giants have to be livid at Baumgartner for what he's done, and secondly, that's probably going to kill their season. Well, they're off to a bad start with him. Right. I think we're still in last place in the Western Division of the National League. Uh, you know, that's the kind of thing that is so idiotic that there, there should be something in the contracts of these players you do something like that, you are suspended. You, you have risked this organization. You've risked your career. You, you've, you've ruined the season for the fans because you want to go ride a four-wheeler. You're making, what, $20 million a year? That's an IQ test. And it's, it, it's no different to me than these guys who get caught using drugs and they're suspended. They can't play in the playoffs. I mean, when, when you do something so egregiously stupid, that Bumgarner did, and I mean everybody knows those those vehicles are things that can cripple you, they can injure you, they can kill you, and you're out there, you know, doing something that you know a 16 year old kid does makes no sense, and you know I guess the league won't let what my suggestion come to fruition, but uh, boy if I was a GM I, I would put that in my contract, hey uh, no motorcycle riding, no four wheelers. No jumping out of airplanes, none of that stuff, if you're going to sign a $20 million a year contract. Well, I mean, which was stupider? Trevor Bauer playing with a drone the week before, or a couple of days before the World Series? Or is Mad what Madison Baumgartner more stupid? Oh, well, I think Baumgartner is a lot more stupid. I mean, I think the drone thing, uh, you know, I think it was just an accident. You wouldn't think a drone could hurt anybody. But you know that if... <laughs> An all-wheel drive vehicle can more than hurt you. And for him to go out there and do that, I think there should be some repercussions that the team can make. It just makes no sense. Well, what would you think that they should be able to do? I think they ought to suspend him. That for as long as he's injured and he can't play, he's not paid. If you go, if that's, if that was in his contract and you could say, look, if you're hurt doing this or such, you shouldn't be doing and you get hurt, well, you're suspended. Boy, that's an interesting concept. I don't think the union would ever go for anything like that. Well, I, I don't. <laughs> you ask me, that's what I would do. I'm not. I'm not saying I disagree. I'm just saying I don't think the union would ever go for anything well, like that. You're prob. You're probably right. But it, it it makes no sense that these players are taking this kind of risk. You know, given their their opportunities on on the field. Uh, if you want to do that when you retire, have at it but not when you're in the prime of your career. I mean, he's arguably uh, one of the top five pitchers in baseball for sure. Have you noticed a lot of these players, especially pitchers, get hurt just doing simple everyday things, though? Oh, sure. Everybody gets hurt. I mean, you don't have to be a pitcher to do that. You can be a civilian like you and me get hurt. But when you have the responsibility of that kind of contract, uh, you have a responsibility to your team, your teammates, and your your fans. It, it just it doesn't make any sense. You know, that raises an interesting question. We've talked about how these major league teams, boy, they'll, they'll pamper these guys. They'll take them out of games because they're thinking about their futures. 
They're thinking about the, the next game, the rest of the year. They don't want them to throw excess amount of pitches. They're giving them days off. You know, if, if they've got a, a hangnail, they sit them out. If the teams have that much respect for the player, but the player, like Baumgartner, doesn't have the type of respect for the game or his team, what can you do about that? Well, I, I gave you my suggestion. I put clauses in the contract that prohibit them from doing certain activities that could get them hurt, especially if they're known to do that particular activity. And, you know, these, these contracts are for life. Guys do something stupid and they get killed. The, the, the teams still have to pay the money to, to the to the heirs. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, if I was in charge of baseball, I would change. You're right. The union probably wouldn't let us enforce that. But uh, it's we talked about it last week, Dave, about sometimes the IQ of some of these players you, you have to question. Well, okay, you just said something interesting that I did not know. You mean to tell me that the Miami Marlins are paying Fernandez's contract off to his heirs? Yes, unless they have a provision in the contract that specifically prohibits that. Yes, their their contracts are for life, and they are. Uh, you're making a deal, and it goes to the heirs and assigns uh, the, the income from that. Boy, oh boy, that, that's something that I never knew. Yep. That, that's that's a new pe- new piece of news. Mark, what do the Reds have coming up this week? Well, they're playing the Pirates, and then they're playing the Giants uh, after that. And, Johnny Cueto uh, coming home? Yeah, Cueto. It's, it's three games with the Giants and four games right now with the Pirates. And, uh, you know, the Reds, again, they're, they're close – they're only two games behind the Cubs. Uh, you know, Dave, before we get off, just very quickly, you know, right now I see a, a big difference between the Indians and the Cubs. I've seen the Cubs play twice now this year, and I think that the Indians are a much better team than the Cubs right now. Uh, so um, having seen them play, I, I, I think the Indians are the best team in baseball. Boy, to listen to ESPN this weekend – between the Cubs and the Red Sox, Mark, both on the radio and on TV, you'd think that the Cubs were invincible. I know. I heard the same thing. It's funny you say that. Uh, I said almost the same thing to myself the other night, that they think these teams are locks for the for the World Series. I don't see it. No, I don't either. Especially with the Cubs. I think they need more starting pitching than they've got. And Boston, I think, is, is better than the Cubs. I think the Indians are a lot better than the Cubs. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, Chicago has only got a two-game lead going in, into May, and uh, they can be beat right now. Mark, you know, I, there's just something inside me that says I can see Johnny Cueto finishing the year with the Cubs. You know, that's not a bad thought, actually. I, although he wants to go to the American League. Yeah, uh, he, but he's, you know, he's got to finish out this year. You know, he's a free agent. He, so he's going to be a he's going to be a rent a player for the Cubs, but there's just something that tells me that the Giants, you know, they've gotten off to a slow start. Baumgartner is out until after the All Star break. They're probably going to be 15, 16 games out of first place by the time Baumgartner comes back. Why not just go ahead and trade Cueto, get what they can since he's leaving anyway? And the Cubs just seem to be the logical choice. Yeah, I think that that does make sense. I didn't think about that, but it does make sense. And uh, he would be. He'd probably want to go there and see if he can win another World Series. But the Cubs need that that shot in the arm, that starting pitching. And uh, I don't think the, the Giants – I just don't see it this year with the Giants. They're, they're a good ball club, but they're going to get so far behind that uh, they're not going to have a chance to come back. Yeah, and and that's why I, that's why I think that, you know, that that's what's going to end up happening is that the Cubs are going to end up making a deal for Cueto, and the Giants are going to – I just it just makes a whole lot of sense to me. The Indians they're doing the same thing only on the road this week. The 
that the uh, Cincinnati Reds are doing. They're in Detroit. They're losing tonight, but they've got them on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday afternoon. And then they'll be in Kansas City this weekend. And Kansas City's been a major disappointment this year so far. They're in Kansas City and play Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Mark, we'll talk to you again next week. Have a good one, Dave. That's going to do it for our show tonight. Thanks for joining us here tonight on UltimateSportsTalk.com. Glad to have you along on this Monday evening as we talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. It's been a pleasure to be with you here tonight. Don't forget we'll be back again next Monday night at 9 o'clock for another Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Have a good night, everybody. 